Listener supported. WNYC Studios. All this week, we're going to look at new options in the new year. You don't need a new you. You're fine. But you might like to consider some new opportunities. So it makes sense to start this series with work. Self-resignation hit an all-time high in August of 2021. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, 4.3 million people, 2.9% of the workforce quit. But that is only half the story. People left jobs to seek other employment or pursue personal professional dreams. It was more like the great self-reassignment. And then there were the folks who were reassigned involuntarily. To give us some advice, wisdom, and guidance on how to seize a new professional day is Rob Barnett, author of Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Get Hired Now. Rob writes in his book, quote, we all witnessed enough pain and loss during the global pandemic to be asking ourselves deeper questions about what's most important in our lives and careers. When the world came to a grinding halt, days felt like months and months felt like years locked inside our homes. If you're one of the tens of millions of people who lost a job during the crisis, my hope is that you grew hungry for more than just any job next time around. My hope is that you found inspiration to want to find the right job. If you lost people you love to the virus, my heart is with you. Time is on the way to heal the pain of loss. Purpose is an even more powerful antidote to pain. Finding the next best job is a noble quest. Rob Barnett joins me now. Hi, Rob. Happy New Year, Allison. Hey, listeners, are you looking for a new gig? Are you changing lanes and you'd like some feedback from Rob Barnett? You can give us a call at 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. You can always hit us up on social media, at all of it WNYC. That's both for Insta and Twitter. Maybe you have a resume question. Maybe you're curious about figuring out what's next. We'd love to hear from you. Or maybe you've made a decision and you want to put it out there in the world. We'd love to hear your plans. 212 212- 433-9692-212-433-WNYC. So a little background for folks on you, Rob. You are a case study in self-reassignment. You had this long story career in media, president of programming for CBS Radio, an exec at VH1, Audible, founder of My Damn Channel. You've hired scores of people in your career, but you found your new calling helping others find theirs. How did you start this chapter of your career? I got stuck. You know, I had that, I had that nice journey that uh, you mentioned. You and I knew each other back in the, the glory days of MTV. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it, it, like a lot of people, all of a sudden one day when the rug gets pulled out, you not only lose your footing, you can lose your sense of self. You can definitely lose your mojo. You can lose focus. And so I was in that place in... 2018, really scratching my bald head saying, what's next? What am I going to do? And one day with no game plan or no strategy, I decided to grab my iPhone. I made a little video talking about my predicament. I said, look, this is not unique. A lot of us are stuck in this boat. Let's at least put our heads together, try to figure out how to help each other figure out what that next job is. And that video blew up, unbeknownst to me, this sad little mopey video got thousands of views and hundreds of comments so i woke up the next day the next day and the next day i kept making videos and then a guy called me 
after maybe eight or nine of these and said, listen, I met you at MTV a long time ago. I need to hire a chief operating officer for my company. It's, is that what this is? Or are you a headhunter? And I paused for maybe one millisecond and I said, yes. <laughs> and, and then I, I found this calling that I never expected. And it's really become a mission to, you know, work with companies every day and job seekers every day to try to get the right people in the right job. What was going on with you at that moment that has proven useful to you as you try to help others? That moment when you decided, I'm just going to upload this video. <laughs> well, I, I've been inspired by uh, a lady with a great book. A book is called The Art of Asking. Her name is Amanda Palmer. Amanda's many things. She's, she's a punk musician. Uh, she's an inspiration and she teaches people to get over that blame and shame that sometimes happens when you're stuck and just openly reach out to the world and say, knock, knock, it's me, Allison, can anybody mm -hmm. help? And that was the inspiration. As you have you noticed that what's changed about what people are looking for since the pandemic? Because you have this interesting career timeline you have pre-pandemic and then right in the middle of it and now as we hopefully are sort of going through it it's changed so much i mean look my book came out at the beginning of all of this uh you know well we put the book out last summer but we we started working on the book at the beginning of COVID, and 41 million people had filed for unemployment. Now it's completely turned upside down. So if you're listening to us right now and you're looking for a job, candidates are in the driver's seat. Companies are really fighting now to fill open roles. The candidates have the power that we all lost at the beginning of COVID. And the other thing that's changed dramatically is that if you're looking for a job, there are great options odds now that you can do that job remote that opens up options that we never had in a pre-covid world i want to take a call it was a subject i was going to get to later but somebody has a question about it now so let's just do it let's go to um, andrew calling in from rockland county on line one andrew thank you so much for calling in hi allison hey how are you um good Good. Hi, Rob, as well. So here, here's my situation. Um, I'm in, I would say, between mid to late career. I'm in my, my 40s, and I've got roughly 15 years of experience in the private sector. And about two years ago, I sought to change all that and, and to work in the public or in the nonprofit, something that's purpose or mission-driven. Uh, I went out and got a master's at an executive program at Columbia, and the idea was to make that change, and it's been slow the past two years, I've had some openings, some potential amazing opportunities that just didn't pan out during the interview process, but I haven't given up. One has just surfaced with a really great um, philanthropy, but it is not lateral. It's much more junior um, than I have, um, than I'm, I'm used to. Different salary, different um, sort of leadership potential. In fact, one of the people that interviewed me actually said to me, one of the, the, the folks on the interview team, that she thought that I was overqualified. But I chose to kind of ignore that because I've been so, you know, um, bent on mm -hmm. making a change in my career and not desperate, but really 
you know, looking for that change and some of the disappointing, um, unsuccessful attempts in the past have let, got me to the point where I've, not only is this exciting, but I'm also in a position where I, I really want to make this change. It's just I'm concerned that making the change to something that's more junior is actually a, more of a setback. So interesting. I'm glad you, you explained that whole story because, Rob, you talk about this, this idea if you're going to shift, you might have to be prepared for a different level of a job. I'm going to let you take it over from there. It's a great question, Andrew, and, you know, one that comes up all the time about how to make the pivot because so many of us that have, in your case, I think you said about 15 years work experience, when you go after a new job, <clears throat> excuse me, you're oftentimes going to hear these little phrases that I used to get all the time when I was job seeking. You're, you're overqualified, you're too experienced, you're too senior. And, and all these buzzwords can be a total buzzkill. However, you've got a path now. You've got this idea that you want to go into something that you said is nonprofit and more meaningful. So the question on the table is, can you, should you, would you take a lower salary? I love this question because, look, you've got one thing that so many job seekers don't have. You've got a possibility that speaking to the direction that you want to take. I advise people to really think hard about what your lowest base salary could possibly be if you're willing to bet on yourself take something that you know you want to do and then give it the time it's going to take to move back up that ladder and make more money. I think at this point in your career, money is a bit more important than the actual job title. But if it's something that's really speaking to you and you think there's a way to get it, I would advise you to take it and try to get by on a little less money till you work your way back up. Thanks for calling. Andrew, good luck. Let's go to Sharon in Harlem because she has a job interview in just a few hours. <laughs> Hi, Sharon. Whoa. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How are you? Lightning round. Fill us yeah, in, Sharon. Uh, I, um, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And a Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. Um, also, uh, yeah, I have a job interview, um, a virtual video interview with someplace um at 3 30 so i'm kind of nervous right now and i'm really nervous talking with you guys this is my first time calling into any radio show so <laughs> you have to bear with me i'm sorry it's okay um, you're doing great <sighs> trying to do my breathing exercises i've been doing a lot of <laughs> meditating over this pandemic so it's like i'm trying to calm myself down anyway i digress um so my question um is somewhat similar to the previous caller that I've been, I actually caught the last half of it and um, it gave me some good insights as well. Um, I'm currently looking for a new job that is more meaningful to what I'm about, you know, something more fulfilling, something that does good in the world, you know, et cetera. And um, what I do right now, I work at a hospital and that is very meaningful for me, but I feel like, you know, I've been there for several years now. And although I do, enjoy my environment, the people I work with. I love my supervisor so much. Um, Susan, hi, Sue, if you're listening, mm -hmm. <laughs> she listens to you guys too. So maybe she is, maybe she isn't, who knows? Um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's a big transition for me. And um, it's been a challenging year so far. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting all choked up. 
I recently lost a really good friend of mine oh, um, so sorry. to suicide oh, I'm a so few sorry. months ago. <laughs> um, his life was really, really tumultuous and mm -hmm. depressed. Um, I was. I, thank you. Depressed. I was. Um, Sharon, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put you on hold for just a moment so you can compose yourself. She obviously has a lot going on. It's really tough. Rob, if you are someone who is feeling very emotional, but you know you have to go into an interview, you know something that's important to her. Clearly, it's important to get this job, but she's got a lot on her mind, and the holidays can bring up a lot of things. Any suggestions for people who are just really need some advice on how to make it through that first interview in a long time? Yes. Well, listen, I just want to say that uh, what Sharon's gone through, I've gone through in my life. And if she wants to reach me directly and way before this 3.30 call, I would love to help you, Sharon. Look, it, it is an emotional process to be in a job interview under any circumstances. So for all of you who face that first scary interview, regardless of what's going on in your personal life, the single most important thing that you've got to do is rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. That's number one. And then the number two most important thing you've got to do on a job interview is as much homework as you possibly can about the company that you're applying to. The biggest mistake that I made in my entire career leading up to being headhunter was to talk way too much about myself in the interview and not as much as possible about the company that I'm interviewing for to prove to that interviewer that you've really studied up on what they're about and what they need so that when you get to the end of that interview and they say, Allison, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. of candidates usually, a lot of candidates usually say, no, I think you've answered them all. That's a huge missed opportunity. When you get to the end of an interview, you should be ready with at least one or two really thoughtful questions about what they're doing and how you can fit in to that role. And don't forget the most important thing about every job interview is not to get the job. That would be a miracle. It's to get the second interview. That's your real purpose. My guest is Rob Barnett, author of Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Getting Hired Now. It's part of our new year. You're fine, but don't sleep on new opportunities series. Um, I, one of the things I love about your, your book, and we're going to get some more calls, so people who are on hold, stay on hold, is one of the things I really like about your book is you have uh, a section, part of the book really has a focus on emotional work to do with yourself, but also very practical things to do. Um, I want to touch on one of the emotional things, and then we'll take a break and talk about one of the very practical things. The, the real emotional part is you have a chapter about finding your North Star. You write, you can win your next best job much more quickly if you decide which road you're going to take in your career. The focus is your North Star, your guiding purpose and passion that will lead you to exactly where you need to be. And then you note that that'll become sort of your long-term professional identity. A lot of people think, well, gosh, I kind of have ideas about what I want to do. What are the first few steps towards figuring out what that North Star is? Oh, thanks for asking that. It, there are three steps, the way I define it. The first is very spiritual. It's the answer that's sitting right in your heart. 
when you close your eyes and say, what do I really want to do? If the world could never say no, if I had the magic wand and I could wave it, everyone would say yes. What is that burning idea that's been inside you for way too long? That's step one. Ask your heart. Step two, well, like in Star Trek, you got to go see Mr. Spock. Now comes mm-hmm. the logical second step where you need to look back at all the work you've done in the past and ask yourself if there's enough evidence. Have, can you prove to yourself that you've done some of that work to get to the final third step where you need to prove that to someone else on the resume? and on the LinkedIn. So you've got to really first come up with the ideal position and then see if you can prove it based on what you've done in the past. And you also say be super focused when you are putting together your LinkedIn and your resume. Don't list too many things. I thought that was such an interesting point. Explain to people why being a Jack or Jill or non-binary human of all trades (laughs) is, is not necessarily the best thing to put at the top of a resume. Yeah, don't be a they of all trades. Don't be a Swiss army (laughs) knife. Don't be a butcher, baker, candlestick maker. This is the mistake that we see so many people making on LinkedIn and on the resume. Your thought process, especially if you're really hurting and you really need a job, your mind says, well, I've done a little baking. I've done a little butchering. I've done some candlestick making. Why don't I show all three to the world someone will pick me. Well, that's not the way the bakery is thinking. The bakery wants a focused person that looks like the best baker. So we're really advising that people focus the career positioning so that you're telling the world in a singular fashion who you are. My guest is Rob Barnett, author of Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Get Hired Now. We will continue to take more of your calls, and we'll chat more with Rob after a quick break. This is all of it. This is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart. My guest is Rob Barnett, author of Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Get Hired Now, part of our new year don't need a new year. You, you're fine, but don't sleep on new opportunities series. Let's take a call. Scott has been holding for a while. Scott is calling in from Connecticut. Hi, Scott. Thanks for calling all of it. Hi, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. What's going on in your world? All right. So uh, I've been at a job for around eight years now, actually a little over eight years. And I'd been asking several times for progression, raises, uh, moving up the ladder, so on and so forth. And I hadn't seen it like I hadn't seen any of it. And throughout the pandemic, um, just been working harder and harder and harder, more stressed, um, going from a position of doing doing um, a lot of work to a lot more work. Um, People were laid off. So I ended up taking on duties of other people and I kind of got sick and tired of it. Uh, So basically what I did was after asking so many times, I decided to. I would say, I'm going to say throw a bomb a little bit. Um, and I figured because of what I see as the climate in terms of having a lot of availability of different jobs out there, I put it out there on LinkedIn before finding a new job saying, I'm looking for something. And, and I put mm-hmm. out what I'm looking for. And uh, I knew it would get back to my supervisor. Um, I knew that 
somehow they would find out. So um, they pulled me in and said, what's going on? And I said, look, I'm looking, um, but also I want to stay. And if you guys can kind of recreate an opportunity for me, um, let's see if we could get that something going. And uh, they seem to be very open to that. And uh, essentially a different uh, sister department, I applied to a job for that. And I have an interview with them on Wednesday. And I my theory is this is kind of part of that because a lot mm. of the parts in the role that I had asked for is in that role. So I just okay. want to kind of say uh, I kind of did things in a little bit different way maybe. <laughs> Normally people yeah. usually get the job first and then try to use that as leverage. That's an interesting That's an interesting story, Rob, the idea of trying to create new opportunity within your current situation. That might not be well, interesting. Well, um, yeah, high five, Scott, for taking a very big risk. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if you had asked me the question, do I go ahead from my current job and put it out to the world on LinkedIn that I'm looking, I would have said no. <laughs> I would have said no because it's a big risk. You took a big swing, but congratulations because you did make the move and you you created some leverage, which is essential if you're ever going to be promoted from within it, it it's it's hard to do you know like in your case when you've been someplace for eight years if you've been to the well more than a few times and not gotten that promotion that's when i usually advise people to secretly <laughs> secretly start looking as hard as possible but high five for the way you did it and i hope this the new the new twist works out Let's go to Kate calling in from Queens on line five. Hi, Kate. Thanks for calling all of it. Hey, Allison. Thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm in a pickle myself. I'm trying to make a transition for years and years. I worked in um, luxury customer service. I was in hotels. And I'm a, a travel agent right now. And the industry is just in such upheaval. It's really, really hard to make a living now. And the problem I'm having is... Um, with my customer service skills, I'd love to bring them to an industry that could use a person like me, but also with almost two years of um, a huge loss in income, I'm trying to make up for that. And so I've been looking at tech and I've seen a lot of jobs that, uh, let's say, head of customer service or head of customer success, because mm-hmm. uh, in the tech industry, they need people with a human touch. But <laughs> my my problem is um, every other job I've gotten, I've always walked in, shook somebody's hand, made an impression, uh, could really, literally just walk in the door. And now there are no doors to walk in anymore and nobody in tech picks up the phone. And in order to get your resume through, you have to beat this ATS software. And one of my other difficulties is that, you know, doing doing the same job for so long, you kind of get an emotional attachment to it. Sure. And making that break away and keeping your focus on, I want to be the head of a customer service department in tech in New York somewhere. And I know that I do, but it's also been difficult for me to create bullet points on my resume that reflect what my experience is. I've done so many things, it's very hard for me to pick what's going to be the most relevant. So Thank you so much for for calling in. There's a couple there's a couple different things there. One of the thing I thought I heard and Rob if you heard something else please dive in was the idea of shoot 
couldn't quite get to a real human. <laughs> um, and you make that point that we really do have to think about, as you call it, one degree of bacon as opposed to six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you have to yes. keep going till you can find somebody who gets you close to what you're pursuing. That's one. That's the one thing I did here. What else did you hear in that? Definitely. Definitely. Kate, you know, Alice and I are talking about the old game called The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. But what I write about in this book is that that's five degrees too many. We can't trust just algorithms and robots to find us on LinkedIn or on any job sites. So part of the job search has got to be about finding open roles at companies where you really want to be. But the equally important part of the job search is becoming your own private detective and figuring out how to get to anyone you know that knows somebody who works inside these companies so that like on an episode of The Sopranos, somebody's going to vouch for you. Somebody's going to say, hey, look, Kate is the customer service person you need. Do me a favor. I'm in my Sopranos voice now. Do me a favor <laughs> and, and just give Kate a shot. You know, the, the easiest ask, the hardest ask in the world when you're out of work is to ask friends for money. The easiest ask mm -hmm. is to ask friends to make an introduction to someone they know that will just give you that first 30-minute interview. And I just want to really just end by championing your plan. You know, you've got to get right now likely out of hotels and travel and the things that are too risky. But, you know, that dreaded phrase, transferable skills, you got them. You got them. We need better customer service people in every business, including the one I went to, but I won't name them over the weekend. <laughs> so we, we, we need better customer service people. This is a pivot you can definitely make, but you got to find Kevin Bacon. You also, on the flip side, you, you say, one side you say, yeah, reach out to your friends, but on the flip side, when you're reaching out to someone that you don't know, when you're doing these informational interviews, you said, you know, short calls instead of coffee, no cold calls, and avoid can I pick your brain. Now, those are like mm -hmm. sort of classics. You're saying out yes. with the classics. Why? Well, you know, it's a move that I used to make when I was out of work. A lot of times you and I worked for some fancy big shots at MTV mm -hmm. back in the day. You know, we'd call them and say, hey, can we get together? Can we have coffee? Can I can we get a drink? Can I pick your brain? That line is asked all the time. If you're listening to us right now and you have big friends at big companies that might potentially have big jobs, I think it's way better to save those asks for when there is an open job at that company. And you do that by using things like LinkedIn. You can; These are free services. You can set up what's called a job alert on LinkedIn. Set up job alerts for all the big companies that you, the best companies you want to be at where you know people. That way, when an open role is real at that company, that's when you go call your old famous friends and you make the ask very transactional, very specific and say, do me a favor, help me get an interview. And I also think the short calls instead of coffee is real, a real thing. Because you might actually get to somebody if you tell them, 
hey, can I have a 10-minute call versus asking them to leave their office or take a huge amount of time out for something that's, that isn't a social engagement. It's not a social interaction. It's about work. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they really, really love you and have great respect for you, they're going to go have that coffee or that drink. But you know what happens at the end? They're going to say, Allison, you're great. I love you. I don't have anything right now. Say it with me but I'll keep you in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's really not the best end to that whole engagement. It's way better when there's a real job opening for them to say, yes, I will help you get an interview. Make it real specific. And as we said before about my patron saint, Amanda Palmer, don't be afraid to ask. Make the ask. Let's go to Mel who's calling in for Mercer County, New Jersey, on line 10. Hi, Mel. Thanks for calling all of it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I have an interview tomorrow. I have a Zoom interview, um, and I'm very uncomfortable with that method of presentation, but um, I used to be really good at interviews, and I haven't aced any lately. So my question is, when someone says, tell me about yourself, um, I now know that I can't say, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that on my resume, but what do I say in person on the interview? Because I always feel like I'm just going to talk about myself and I'm just going to sound stupid. Well, I think you're <laughs> yeah. pretty articulate. First of all, you're very articulate. You will not sound stupid. <laughs> but go ahead, Rob. No, you know, look, that is the lazy person's opening question on an interview. It, it really worries me, and I hope you don't get that one tomorrow. But if you do get that one, the single most important thing that you can do is not go back to the ancient history and sing all of your greatest hits. Keep it in the present. Keep it about now. If they say, tell me about yourself, tell that interviewer about why you're on this Zoom right now for that job in this moment. And as we said earlier, I don't know if you heard the earlier call, make sure that you try to keep this interview tomorrow as focused on them, more focused on them, as it is on your ancient past, which, as you said, Mel, is on the resume. Good luck tomorrow. And uh, there's a chapter in this book all about the perfect, it's a joke mm -hmm. title, but we call it the perfect 30-minute interview. And if you send us your uh, email or something, I'll get you. Make sure you can get that chapter before you uh, do the interview tomorrow. Good luck. My guest is Rob Barnett, author of Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Get Hired Now. As I mentioned, that you, there's so much amazing, practical, you can do this tomorrow kind of advice in this book. And one of the pages has quite literally a day planned. <laughs> like Get up, do X, Y, and Z. Um, on page 47, you write, once you power through as many cup, cups of morning coffee as you need, the first meeting on your schedule every day should not take more than 10 minutes, if that. In this meeting, you're going to think strategically about all the tasks in front of you and break them down into three categories with the radical names A, B, and C. Give folks a little taste of that, then they can read the rest in your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, one of the hardest things, there's so many hard things about being out of work, but maybe the hardest is that you've gone from meetings and meetings and meetings on your last job where your calendar is completely filled 
to the new reality where it's like one of those old westerns and you know the the dust is waving across the screen of your calendar there's nothing on it the calendar is the least sexy app on your phone but it's the most powerful app that you can use to stay focused on a job search the simple idea that we talk about it's not an original idea i was told this in the very beginning of my career by a great boss who was also a great teacher is that if you're going to prioritize the work you need to do on your job search, then anything that's on that working list is an A, a B, or a C. The advice was work on the A's. There's only two or three top priorities you really should be doing every day. If you finish them, then you can start to look at the B list. And then the final piece of the advice, Allison, was never do a C. A C is not important mm -hmm. enough. It'll either go away and you'll never get to it, or it'll scream at you and become a B. But on my job search, and we do this in the book, we literally show people how to take a sad, lonely, quiet, nobody's calling me day and turn it into meetings with yourself at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock and, and noon when you have to stop and listen to your show. The name of the book is Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter Strategies to Getting Hired Now. Rob Barnett has been our guest. Rob, thank you so much for taking calls and being so supportive of our listeners. We really appreciate it. It's great to be with you. I really, really appreciate it. And good luck to everybody that's looking. It's time to, to get what you want to do and you think you got to do. The memoir, The Tender Bar by J.R. Moringer, chronicled his coming of age in the 70s with a single mom and wise bar-owning uncle. The book has been adapted into a film directed by George Clooney and starring Ben Affleck as Uncle Charlie. J.R. joins us next. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.